0: Welcome to Women of the Military Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Huffman, and we are doing another summer bonus episode. And this episode is actually part of the series I did last summer all about joining the military. And so I'm really excited when I looked into the analytics and I saw that this episode was in the top Of episodes that I had done I was like yay it's resonating with people so that made me really excited and it's also why I included it in this summer bonus series of replaying old episodes throughout the summer. And so if you don't know, I released a book called A Girl's Guide to Military Service in September, which is a book that answers all the questions that I wish I would have known the answers to when I was joining the military, starting with, is the military right for me, going through the different branches and ways to serve, highlighting boot camp, because I think that's really important, and then going on through the mental, physical, and emotional side of serving in the military. I wanted to give young women a strong foundation for military service so that they could have a great career, and so I really hope that this book is doing that, giving these young women a strong foundation so that they can have a solid career. And another thing I did to help port launching the book was focusing a summer series on joining the military and in this I got to interview different women and talk about their experience. We talked about the GI Bill, we talked about physical fitness, we talked about serving as an officer, we talked about basic training, we talked about joining and i really excited to rebroadcast this episode all about basic training and all the things that you wish you would have known before you went to basic training. And if you haven't gone yet, it'll really help you prepare for basic training. And besides providing everything that I think you should know about basic training, I interviewed Allison who had just completed basic training and was in between completing basic training and heading to officer training school. And so she shared about her experience of what going through army basic training was like. So that could give you a up-to-date version of things that have changed since I left the military and so I really hope you enjoy both the highlights of what I think you should know if you're considering going to basic training and also hearing Allison's story and what she experienced going to basic training so Before we get started with this week's interview, I want to remind you that you have the opportunity to listen to Women of the Military podcast now on Reese Across America Radio twice a week. That's Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And you can listen on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, or Odyssey. And now with that out of the way, let's get started with this week's interview. This is week four of the Girl's Guide to the Military series, sponsored by Women Veteran Alliance. This week is all about basic training. I'm sharing five tips for basic training, and these are things that I wish I would have known before heading off to my basic training, along with how some things have changed in the past few years. Basic training is meant to be tough. The military is working to break you down and then build you back up into who they want you to be as an airman, soldier, marine, sailor, guardian, or coast guardsman. And along with the tips that I'm giving, I also interviewed Allison, who had just completed basic training when we did her interview, and so she had a really fresh perspective of what it was like to go through basic tips that she learned and wanted to pass on to you. So I'm really excited about this week's episode. So the first tip is to know basic training is a game. I love what Air Force veteran Dr. Angela Carnes Pardon said, Everything in the beginning is to see if they can break you. Everything in the back half is to build you back up. You'll chip away perhaps, but you won't break. When it starts to feel easier, then you will know that you've made it to the building up phase and past the trying to break you phase. I loved her quote because it really explains what the process of basic training is like. And part of that process is basic training is meant to break you down. And knowing this can help make it a little bit easier to go through basic training. It's nice to know that you won't be able to do everything right. And even if you do everything right, the instructors will find something because that's part of the process of like always trying to push you and to find things and to make you malleable so that they can mold you into who they want you to be. And it's also great to know that it's part of the process because on the days that you want to quit, you can remember that it's just part of the process and each day will get a little bit easier and you'll learn a little bit more and that you can do it. You just have to do it one day at a time. And so sometimes it can feel overwhelming to think that my life is going to be like this for the next six weeks, but each day changes, each part of the process changes, and you get to grow and become stronger through it. The last thing I want to say about the game of boot camp is another quote, this time from Navy veteran Lisa Riley, and she said, don't take correction as a statement about your intrinsic value. As a person, use each new day as a new chance to be better. My second tip for basic training is to be physically ready. Basic training is physical. Besides the additional exercise required throughout the training, just the aspect of marching from place to place, going through various obstacle courses or other challenges, and also being on your feet all day long can be physically draining. Being at a moderate or above average fitness level can help make the training less challenging. But just know the stronger you are, the harder you'll be pushed. So it won't ever be easy per se, no matter how in shape you are, but it is less physically draining to be in shape. And another great thing about being at a moderate fitness level is it also can help prevent injuries, especially splints. So it's great to start working out and getting ready for your training the moment that you find out that you're going to join the military because sometimes they send you off to training really quickly and you don't have a lot of time to prepare. Another thing about physical fitness, which we'll dive into later in the series, is preparing for your branch's physical fitness test. Each branch has their own unique physical fitness test and while it used to be primarily push-ups, sit-ups, and running, and maybe pull-ups, the army has recently come out with their army combat fitness test which has a lot more physicality to it and not so basic things as push-ups and sit-ups and running and the air force is also making changes of what is required and so is the space force so there's a lot of different changes things are always changing in the military and so it's important that you do your research and find out As much as you can about what the physical fitness test requirements are, so that you can be ready to pass the test at the end of your training. The third tip for basic training is to know the standards. The military has gone undergone a lot of change in the last few years. Some changes are widespread. Other things haven't trickled down to basic training. For example, later when I talked to Allison, the military hair standards had been changed before she went, but she still had to have her hair in a bun and had to keep it into the same standards that were there before the change was made. So it was kind of dependent on who was in charge, what the rule was for the trainees. And so it's important to understand what requirements may or may not be in place and just be prepared for it and know that's something that you might have to face. And another thing that I think has been a really big change is how the use of cell phones has been allowed. And Allison talked about that on Sundays for a few hours she would get her cell phone and she would have free time to make phone calls, check email, go on social media. And that's something that's drastically different than what I had heard from years before where you didn't get your phone at all when I went to my training. We put our phones in bags the first day and then we saw them the last day. Before, we were going to go home in the morning, but we were told that we were not allowed to turn them on or use them until we were at the airport the next day. So I think communication is changing because of the advent of cell phones, and it's dependent on your leadership on what privileges will be allowed. So make sure that you're prepared to have the addresses of if you want to send letters home, but also know that that might be an option and just be prepared for that. And also know that any privilege that they give you during basic training can be taken away, so nothing's guaranteed, but it's good to know what may or may not be and how the military's changing. My fourth tip for basic training is to be prepared. Know everything you can about the branch you are joining. See, there's no way to learn everything about the branch because some things are just learned by doing, but... One of the best things that I think you can learn before you arrive at your training is to learn the different ranks, what they look like, what they're called, and especially the difference between officer and enlisted ranks because then you'll know those in the beginning and you won't have to learn them. Another great thing to know before you arrive is your branch's creed, core value, and song. Those will be things that you're required to memorize while you're at training, and if you already have them memorized, it can help you not have to worry about memorizing those things while you're there, and just give you extra confidence as you go through your training. Another thing that is helpful to learn is military time. The military uses a 24-hour clock so that there isn't confusion about when to meet. Instead of saying 3 p.m., the military says 1,500 hours. It's really easy to learn. You just, after 12 p.m., you add how many hours are to to 12, and you can figure it out. But it is kind of tricky to learn in the beginning because I always found myself having to do that, go to 12 at a time and figure out what actual time it was, but eventually it becomes second nature and pretty easy to use. Another thing I saw when I was doing research for this episode is that people recommended learning the Code of Conduct. The Code of Conduct is a six-article statement that applies to all military members and can be used to rely on if you are captured during war. All military members learn the Code of Conduct during their training, and I put a link in the show notes so that you can learn the whole thing. I learned the Code of Conduct before I went to my training, and it is something that we were required to memorize, all six articles. And so learning as much as you can before you go can make it easier to help you be ready and to take the limited time that you have to review it instead of learning it from scratch. So those are great things to learn, and then you can do more research as much or as little as you want, but those are great things to know, and your recruiter will also probably give you some advice on things that you should know before you go to basic training, so use them as a resource as well. My last tip, which is tip five, is don't give up. You can do it. Don't ever forget that you can do this training. You can keep putting one foot in front of the other and all you have to do is not quit. Rely on the team members that you've met around you. Make friends with other women that you meet. Know that everyone is struggling in one way or another. It may look like everyone's doing great and there's no struggle, but we all struggle in different ways and It can sometimes feel lonely and isolating if you feel like you're struggling and no one else is. But open up and talk to other people and find out how they're doing. And then if you see someone who's struggling, try and help them out and help them through the struggle that they're facing because maybe they can help you out in a different way. Basic training is the first step in your journey to the military, and you should use the time to grow and push yourself to be all that you can be. That's so cliche. But you can do more than you think you can, and you can get through this training. It's just one step into your future. So those are my five tips. They're kind of short, but in my book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service, which is coming out in September. I have two whole chapters dedicated to basic training and it goes a lot deeper into advice and more tips to help you through. And so if you're interested, you can pre-order that and the link for that is in the show notes. And now we're gonna talk to Allison, who I interviewed right after she finished her basic training. So she'll have more tips and advice and it'll be interesting for you to hear her experience of what it was like to go through basic training And then next week, we're going to focus on officers, and Allison, after she finished basic training, she went to officer training school with the Army, and so I have another interview with her, and also an interview with an ROTC cadet, and... All of this basic training advice could be applied to the officer training you go to. So these are things I wish I would have known when I was going to my officer training. Some of the things I already knew because I had been on ROTC for two years, but this is great advice for anyone who's going to a military training just to help you be ready and prepared. So now let's dive into Allison's interview and I'll see you guys next week. Welcome to the show, Allison. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. So you just got home from boot camp with the Army. Yeah. And you're in the in-between stage of waiting to go to OTS. So we're going to talk about preparing to go to boot camp and then what boot camp was like. And then we're going to do a follow-up episode after you get back home from OTS. But let's start with why did you decide to join the military?
1: So it's something that I always really wanted to do. I know it sounds really cheesy saying like I had a call to serve, but I mean, something that I was always really passionate about and something that I always wanted to pursue along the way, but life, I guess, kind of got in the way because my plan originally was to go to either an academy or ROTC. But, you know, the way things happened, I ended up getting a degree without doing any military service at all. And so when I graduated with my degree this past May, I had made the decision previously because it took a lot of paperwork to get to where it was, but I made the decision to join post-grad and so ended up kind of starting seemingly like middle of the road compared to some of the other people that I was there with who are fresh out of high school making the same decision that I am in order to go to college or things like that, you know?
0: I think we met before you graduated and your degree is civil engineering, right? Yes, it is. And so, and I wasn't able to convince you to join the air force, which I think is funny. So, why did you end up going with the army instead of the air force? If you guys are listening, I'm an air force civil engineer. Is like my degree, so I really pushed hard for it.
1: <laughs> you did push hard. I also got like quasi recruited with the navy too. They were pushing for the CBs, but um, I think what drew me to the army the most was both my grandfathers were drafted and served in the army for Korean War and I think the Vietnam War. They were stateside most of the time, but you know, they were in the army. And that's, you know, the legacy of that is something that I I appreciated. And also in my research, I was looking for something that was a balance between like super hua and super, you know, with my degree and For me, it felt like from my research that the Army would be the best fit for the things that I was looking to get out of my military experience.
0: Yeah, I love that you did all that research and that you looked at all the different options and then you picked the best thing for you.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, just with my personality, but you know, from listening to your show and all the people that I've talked to, it's all about like doing your own research and really picking apart stories and other people's experiences to a degree, but just figuring out what's going to work best for you and your situation and what you're looking for out of your experience.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. About a week or two before you went to boot camp, we ended up chatting because I was looking for information and you were generous with your time and talked to me. In that conversation, we were talking a lot about two things that I remember were you were worried about passing the ACFT, the Army Combat Fitness Test, and you also were worried about your weight, which put you in such a hard situation. So can you talk a little bit about that? So
1: one thing that I found I was struggling with was building up the muscular strength to, you know, meet the standards of the new fitness test, while also not putting on too much muscle that I supersede the height and weight requirements of the army, which are, you know, arguably outdated, but whatever. So when I initially went to MEPS in May, before my ship date, I was within the standard of the height and weight requirements. And I found out that my ship date was going to be in October So I had the summer to train and I trained hard. I was doing two a days. I was running a ton and lifting a ton because a lot of the new fitness test is very strength based. You know, they've got like the deadlift and a lot of heavy lifting and pulls and all things like that. So those were things that I was trying to develop, you know, especially as a female, it's hard with like pull up strength for the leg tuck and stuff. And I found that by the time the end of the summer came and it was, you know, five or six weeks before my ship date, I was five pounds over my weight requirement for MEPS. And my recruiters were like, Hey, you know, it's five pounds, but they're not going to ship you if you're over any weight. And I was, I was very nervous about not making the weight requirement and not ultimately shipping out. So yeah, struggling with that and then finding that balance of training to meet, the standard for fitness, but also meet the standard for the height and weight. It felt like I was being pulled in two different directions by the army to meet both of those standards. I don't know. Luckily, we made it through so it was fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I remember we were talking about it and you, didn't you have a a coach who helped you with losing the weight? Yeah, so I actually got connected with a
1: nutritionist who was an ex-Marine and she had told me about, you know, the diet culture of the military, especially around weigh-ins can be really toxic. And she wanted to make sure that I didn't go down a path that was super toxic as it tends to. So she gave me all this advice about fueling for performance and making sure that I'm prioritizing, you know, these food groups to fuel for muscular improvement, but also while Maintaining like the body composition changes that we were hoping for and things like that. Because at the end of the day, you know, like muscle always does weigh more than fat and finding that balance of fueling to improve as an athlete, but also, you know, managing your weight for the height and weight standards long-term are things that, you know, to this day, I think a lot of us still struggle with. So, but she was incredibly helpful and I was very lucky to run into her.
0: Yeah. And I remember, I felt like that was what you were, one of the things you were the most worried about was just getting to go to training because you were worried about being overweight. Then a secondary thing was the physical fitness aspect because you kind of had to cut back on how much you were working out, especially with the strength training. So how did that work out?
1: Yeah, I I think for me, the biggest concern was a lot of the physical elements, both because of Having to, you know, really cut down on calories, especially the last couple of weeks, but also because I was worried about. I had a lot of medical paperwork that I had to process because I had um, reconstructive hip surgery right before I ended up going, and I got all the paperwork approved, and that's a whole another story of MEPS. But the combination of pushing myself to train so that I made sure nothing happened with any you know, previous injury or future injury, but also managing fueling and eating for performance, I was nervous, but it ended up not being an issue because as soon as I got there, you know, once I got through the weigh-in, I focused on fueling for performance and fueling for working out and maintaining the level of like caloric intake that was needed, especially in those first couple of weeks of basic training. And it really wasn't an issue. It, the tools that she gave me enabled me to fuel for performance effectively in a way that wasn't super detrimental to... My athletic like abilities, especially initially,
0: it's great to hear. And what was her name? Did you say it already? Uh, Her name was Angelie Mora. Okay. And does she have a website?
1: Yeah, I think she's with uh, Metro West Nutrition. They're out of Boston, which is where I shipped out of.
0: So I'll link to her info in the show notes so that if people want to find it, they can. And then let's just talk about basic training before we started this interview, you said there were some things that you felt prepared for and then other things that you didn't. So why do you feel like you were prepared for when you arrived at BASIC? Well, one thing that I definitely
1: felt prepared for because I did so much research was feeling really squared away with a lot of initial memorization things that, you know, the army requires you to know. So like the soldier's creed, the warrior ethos, the phonetic alphabet, military time, things like that. We spent a lot of time, you know, staring at a piece of paper and they were like, memorize everything on this piece of paper. And it was like a cheat sheet of like all the things that you need to know just to be at that base level for understanding the military. And Going in with that knowledge of having, you know, committed a lot of things to memory, it made it a lot easier, especially for me, because it was one level of stress that I was able to take off. You know, I wasn't scrambling to memorize the army song or the general orders right off the bat. So I felt super prepared for things like that, which was a relief. I also really went out of my way to train physically as we mentioned before for the ACFT because I know that the army's been going back and forth on it a lot but it is you know the fitness test of record right now and one thing is that I as a personal goal I wanted to be able to do leg tucks because I know that like they have the alternative still with the plank but when I got there at basic training the plank alternative was not an option to graduate you had to either be able to do a leg tuck or a 10 second hang from the bar. And those were the two alternatives to graduate and pass the ACFT. And so I know a lot of people who when I was talking to them or through the process was like, oh, I'll I'll just get in shape for basic training at basic training, right? I'll just go there and they'll get me in shape. And I felt like preparing for that fitness test, especially beforehand, went a really long way for me being able to improve physically rather than just get a beat down, you know, because I feel like basic training often is just more of a beat down than it is like, exercise and improvement of fitness it's just like how long can you go kind of thing and a lot of the females were able to get the leg tuck by the end of basic training but a lot didn't and so the females especially it's it's just a lot harder on us (laughs) the leg tuck especially
0: I've done a good amount of research about the new fitness tests, but, and there are a lot of studies and research out there that it is more challenging for women who are doing it than for men. And it also, the weight thing is a thing where you're trying to build up like all that muscle mass and stuff. But it sounds like you said two things that really helped you is you memorized as much stuff as you could about the military and the army before you went. And so then you didn't have to memorize it while you were there. And then you also I always try and tell people like you need like a basic level of fitness because you don't want to get injured. You don't want to get recycled. Yeah. And so if you have that base level of fitness, you're less likely to get injured. You're less likely just to have other ailments and you'll be able to build on that foundation. So those are two really good pieces of advice. Absolutely. Was there anything else that you felt prepared for? In my research, I mean, it's kind of crazy how much
1: information you can find out there, but There is so much out there on, you know, down to the day what you do at basic training and, you know, YouTube videos, blogs, schedules, like doing all that research for me and having because I'm a bit of a planner, so I like to know what's coming and having that idea of like, okay, in Red phase, you know, we're going to be doing these things. In white phase, it's, you know, a lot more marksmanship. So you're doing a lot of range days. And, you know, in blue phase, it's this and that. And having that understanding of how the weeks were generally going to shake out prior to going there, it took away some of that element of, at least for me, stress because a lot of the time, you know, they always say all you really need to know is right place, right time, right uniform. But having the understanding of generally what you're going to be doing. For me, at least, helped me get in the right mindset for a lot of it because I'm the people around me were always like, "Why are we doing this? This is so frustrating. You know, this, there's no point in doing this, that, and the other thing." And like having that understanding, at least for me, of like why we're doing this this way, this time, and in this manner, and just knowing what was coming next, kind of for me, helped me through the process and helped me manage that, you know, stress that they try to induce in you and power through kind of thing.
0: Yeah, and. When I was in Army training for my deployment and they made us do stuff, I was always like, why are we doing this dumb thing? But there always was a reason and a process. And they don't explain it even when you're on active duty. They're like, just do it. Right. But they definitely don't explain it at boot camp. But yeah, there is a reason and a process and like why they've done it. And the more research you do, I I think that's good to be prepared to know what's coming and what's going on that probably really does help. But even with all your research, you said that there were some things that you weren't prepared for. What were the things that you weren't prepared for? I think for me, the biggest thing that I
1: wasn't prepared for was the people aspect of it. And, you know, the army is all around people. It's working with others, managing others, like uh, I have I've heard somewhere like the army's built on the altar of like its people and that's its biggest asset kind of thing. But, you know, one thing that I know is like every single person's basic training experience is gonna be completely different based on the people you end up going with, the people who are, you know, in your company in your platoon. And then on the cadre side, you know, your company commander can be Different, your cadre is going to be different, even between cycles, like the way things run is going to be slightly different. And that I think can drastically impact how the cycle goes and how your training goes as a whole. And, you know, I was very blessed. My company was really squared away for the most part and really was on top of what they were doing. But, you know, and the, the the hand in hand with that is sometimes, you know, there's people who aren't super motivated to be there or are really difficult to work with. And it takes them a really long time to, you know, get the individual taken out of them and into the, the whole like team effort mentality. And that was really frustrating And I feel like that's something you can't really prepare for. It's a thing that you have to experience in the moment and learn how to work through because a big part of being there is learning how to work with the team and how to be on the team and support the team. And yeah, that was one thing that I really wasn't prepared for (laughs) because, I mean, there's really no way for one to prepare for it beyond experiencing it, I feel like.
0: Yeah, and that'll be an interesting follow-up question if you have the same type of dynamics with OTS, because I feel like when I went to my officer basic training, like we were all like super motivated and there wasn't anyone who didn't want to be part of the team because we were all in ROTC already and we kind of already knew like the structure and it was really competitive to get to go there so it wasn't like everyone who went to MEPS got to go it was only the people who had gotten selected and yeah and so I, I wonder if the dynamics will be different. A lot of people in
1: my company and in my battalion as a whole I think there were I think there were 25 in my company of 200 that are going on to OCS with me and then in my battalion of 1,000, there were 100 of us total that are going on to OCS. So, in theory, I know some of the people that I will be going to OCS with. And, you know, hopefully we all end up in the same area doing the same thing because they're a good group of people, people that I ended up with at BASIC. But, you know, we'll have to see. But from what I can tell, I think, you know, like you said, they're motivated to be there, interested because we were all had to go through the OCS board, the selection process to even get there. With the interviews and the packets and the paperwork and putting the time in to get there. So beyond just going to MEPS, right? So we'll see.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's still work to be done to enlist. It's just, there's a whole extra level of becoming an officer and all the extra ROTC, like the, all the requirements, or I know how much work it is to do the packets for OTS to be an officer in any of the branches is a lot of work, a lot of paperwork. I just think that'll be interesting to compare the two. Was there anything else that was kind of unexpected?
1: The cold. I don't know if it was just the time I went, because I'm from the Northeast, so I'm used to it being cold, but I think it's a completely different animal when you're out in the field for a couple of days, and it's just freezing cold. There were a couple of nights when we had our field training exercises and it was like a low of 28 and we were just shivering and cuddling up like, please, just some warm. And and again, that's one of those things that like you just get from experience. So I, I don't I don't think any of us were prepared for it to be as cold as it was. And they don't want to risk you being a heat cat. So you're not allowed to wear snivel gear because, it get, because for the South, like it, I was in South Carolina at Fort Jackson. So the days are warm. But then the nights are really cold and it's just that fluctuation of temperature. It's very hard to get acclimated to right away. But that was only the latter half of like November to December that it was really brutal. But it was cold and it was unexpectedly cold.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it was like really nice in October because I'm in Virginia. And then all of a sudden in November it got cold and now it's December and it's not that I mean it was cold overnight tonight but it's been really warm randomly and I'm like what's going on yeah November the last two weeks in November it was cold
1: yeah that last week in November was the uh final FTX that we had to do and it was four days and three nights and oh oh
0: I think that's One of the things like when I went to my army training, it was in Indiana and it was cold and it was snowy and I had never been in the snow. And I was like, this snow thing isn't that much fun when you're like out in it for hours and running around doing whatever exercise it is. It's it's different than like going out and playing in the snow for an hour and then come. It's like, no, you're outside. It's cold. And we got kind of used to it but we also we never had to sleep outside that would not have been fun right right but it was crazy to be in the cold and the snow and trying to fire a weapon and be (laughs) it's like snowing while we were trying to fire weapons oh goodness yeah you definitely get to be outside Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and I I actually enjoy being in the field but dang we got to work on being in the cold because that was brutal (laughs)
0: That doesn't sound fun. I don't like being cold. I just remember being hot at my boot camp training because it was summer and it was hot and humid.
1: Yeah, I don't know what's worse. I really don't, because they they both have their their perks, but then they have such bad benefit like cons on the other side of it. Because I mean, overheating is even just so brutal as well as freezing.
0: So what would you say was like your biggest takeaway? Did you learn anything about yourself from training or anything like that?
1: I think for me, I found that throughout training, I was always very worried about not being able to do the task at hand. I don't know if if that makes sense, but I was always very nervous about not being able to do it to the standard or missing something, messing up and not doing it right. And I found that, you know, every obstacle that I came up against, I did either, you know, to the standard or with flying colors, right? And I was able to surpass even my own expectations. And I think something that I'm going to try to take away from this is I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I was, you know? And I feel like a lot of us are always a lot more capable than we think we are, you know, in any aspect. So... And that's something that I'm going to try to carry with me through to OCS in my next phase of my training. Is that you know, you just you're capable of a lot more than you think you are.
0: I think that's a really good takeaway. It really resonates because I was so afraid of like everything and like that I wouldn't do good at it. That sometimes I didn't like say stand up and say I can do that, and then they like would push me <laughs> to do it, you know, like force you to do it, and then I was like, oh, I could do that. That was so bad, and so. I think that's a good lesson learned, especially to take that into OTS and to focus on that and like to remember, because that's one of the big things I learned from my deployment was I could do more than I thought. And so whenever I had to do something I didn't want to do, I was like, remember, you could do more than you think. And then it really helped push me.
1: Yeah, no, it, it it's definitely, I feel like as much as you learn about the Army and you learn about, you know, your new job and new skills, it's learning a lot about yourself. Because, you know, especially we're in an environment where you're cut off completely from your existing support system. And you have to rapidly build a new one with your battle buddies there. And then you also have to learn how to really rely on yourself to pick yourself up and square yourself away for the next task. Because, you know, basic training comes and it just keeps coming until it's done.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's probably like why it pushes you so much because it's just like, bam, bam. So I wanted to talk a little bit, you went to training, obviously, in October of 2021, and COVID is still a thing. So what was it like to go through training? Was there certain protocols in place to keep you safe or anything that you can tell people about? Well,
1: the vaccine is required now for service members. So we're still in this phase where a certain percentage of the incoming population has already been vaccinated or needed the vaccine there. So, you know, in the initial round of inoculation that you get when you're going through reception, some people had to get the COVID vaccine while they were there. Those were the ones who actually had to be tested while we were coming in. If you were vaccinated, you didn't have to get tested. And so the people who were unvaccinated who ended up testing positive, you know, had to go quarantine for two weeks and were by that process recycled into another training class. But once we got through reception and started, you spend a lot of time, you know, wearing masks and they issue you masks. So we were wearing masks and they have a new phase of training. So originally it was red, white, and blue, and now it's yellow, red, white, blue. And through yellow phase, we're wearing masks more frequently and we are kind of separated by the people you live with. So we were actually in an all-female platoon for the initial couple of weeks of basic training. So we worked out together as the female platoon. We went to the classroom as a female platoon. We weren't allowed in the DFAC either. So we were just eating kind of in the bays, not in the bays, in the breezeways below the building where we do our formations and stuff. It was more like hot days coming to us rather than us going into the DFAC. They kind of front load a lot of the classroom material. So we learned a lot about, you know, land nav and customs and courtesies and preliminary drill and ceremony as a female platoon. And then once we were cleared through yellow phase which was either 10 or 14 days later everyone who was unvaccinated got tested again and if a certain percentage came back with you know positive for covid then we had to stay in yellow phase but if not we were able to move into red phase which was the more traditional basic training where our platoons were integrated so it was male female again and then we also didn't have to wear the masks as much because at that point, like you're living in a bubble. Like we don't leave, we don't interact with anyone outside of the cadre. And if we do interact with anyone, so say like in the DFAC or like when we have to do motor movement and we're riding the bus, we're always wearing masks. So masks in and out of the DFAC, except when you're eating and then masks on the bus. But then other than that, we sometimes wear masks like around, or if we go to like issuing, so we had to get more gear, CIF, things like that, Then we were mar- wearing masks, but just around like our areas. And if we're doing PT, especially like it was a lot more, you know, normal, I guess, <laughs> to what it used to be kind of thing.
0: Yeah. That's really interesting how they have like that yellow phase where you're kind of in quarantine for your beginning of training and they keep you separated from all the other trainings that are already past that. That's really interesting. That's kind of it makes a lot of sense. I'm like, wow, the army figured that out. Yeah, it was
1: weird, but I mean, I, I guess you know, gotta make do with what we got until we get it all sorted out. So
0: yeah, yeah, that sounds really interesting. And then you said something about cell phones. So do you call home with your own cell phone?
1: Yeah. So obviously, they take your personal bag and keep it in a storage closet, and they keep your phone in a separate bag in the same closet. And so we had phone calls typically weekly. So every Saturday or Sunday, we would get a phone call and, you know, they dictate how long of a phone call, or if you got it, there were a couple of weeks where they were like, no phone call for you guys. Cause you're terrible. Usually like they would have, you know, the PG or NAPG who was like in charge of the platoon plugging in the platoon's phones. So we had like power cords in the back of the room. We would plug them all in to make sure they were fully charged. And then we would get our phone call or phone time because you could do whatever you wanted on your phone. You were just given the little chunk of time to do it. So typically weekly and it was your own phone.
0: But it wasn't guaranteed.
1: No, not guaranteed. And it's again, you know, tying back to what I said earlier, it's company dependent whether or not you get it. Because sometimes we would look over and we would see other companies on their phones were like, oh man, like that sucks.
0: <laughs> That's funny. It's so interesting how different technology has like changed the way.
1: Yeah. Cause I remember talking to some people, especially like my recruiters and they were like, you get can- an hour like or two or for whatever amount of time every weekend like we gotta like collect call on a pay phone you know this is all you get <laughs> very different
0: yeah when I went we put our phones in a bag the day we got there and then they gave them to us the night before we went home I mean my training was only a month long because it was in the summer for between My sophomore and junior year. And then they gave it to us the night before to charge. And they were like, do not use your phone until you leave. So it's kind of interesting. Is there any advice that you would give to someone who is preparing to go to basic training or boot camp training? Like, what advice would you give them? Um,
1: One thing that we kind of talked about it very briefly, but I think it's really worth mentioning, too. The new Army regulations for hair did not apply. In basic training, I was required to wear my hair in a bun the whole time. I think, like, it's worth mentioning because people were like, because I, I ended up, you know, taking your advice and cutting, you know, a lot of my hair off. So I had very short hair going in, and they were like, oh, you can get away with a ponytail. That's totally fine. And I showed up and they were like, nope, bun all the time, gelled hair, like, you gotta look put together at all times. And I was like, whoa, okay, sure. We'll, we'll figure it out. So that's one thing I would recommend keeping in mind, especially for the army. But I mean, the things that I mentioned earlier, like really doing the research on what you want to do and, you know, that's when you're talking to a recruiter and MEPS and the whole process, like knowing what you want out of your experience and then knowing what's coming for basic training for me was huge and just preparing myself as much as I possibly could so that, you know, a stressful situation doesn't have to be even more stressful, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no one can see me, but when you said that, my mouth about the hair, I was like, What? That's crazy. I I had no idea. And that's so important to know because that's like one of the worst parts of going to basic training is having to keep your hair in rank. So I mean I'm I'm understand like the stress, the good order and discipline, but that's really It's kind of like backwards from like all the research. Anyways, that's not important. We can't argue with the army, but and I'm betting that OTS is going to be the same that you have to have your hair in regs or do you know?
1: I do not know, but I'm going to operate under the assumption that I will have to be in regs all the time. But yeah, I mean, again, it's going to depend on my company and how they want to run things as well. And then, you know, whatever comes down from the battalion even. So we'll see, I guess, when I get there. Yeah, their um, argument was, you're not a soldier yet, so you don't get the special regulation hair. <laughs> you got to wear your hair in a bun.
0: And we were like, okay, whatever you say, Jules, aren't. That's really interesting. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule so that we could do this interview. And I'm excited to meet up with you again And whenever you finish OTS. And then if you're listening, this will go live back to back, so you won't have to wait. The 12 weeks. If you have any other questions about training, just send me an email or find me on social media and I can help answer those. So thank you so much, Allison. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. I really hope that it helped you in your journey to the military. And if you want to learn more about joining the military, please check out my new book, A Girl's Guide to Military Service. And I'll have a link so you can pre order in the show notes. And I also want to give another shout out to our sponsors for the series, Women Veteran Alliance, Jay Volbrecht Consulting, Garrett Sorensen with Markham Wealth, Photography by Trish Algrea-Smith, Serve Like Her, and Nomadi's Collections. You can learn more about our sponsors at the Girl's Guide to the Military landing page, which I have linked to in the show notes, where you can also find every episode from the series. Thanks so much for listening, and I hope you'll come back next week.